Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Brought to you by Avant Money. Think you're getting the best value from your bank? Think again. Now, you heard in the news today, um, the state paid about $104 million last year on the salaries of teachers in private schools. And this is according to figures released in News Talk. The bill for two schools in Dublin was over about €4 million. Euro. And I've just been asking you today, what are your thoughts on this? Should the state pay these fees or contributions or the salaries of teachers in private schools, um, you can get us on WhatsApp either. Free number 087 1400 106. is with us on the line today in Cork. Garoad, do you think the state should pay the teacher salaries? Yeah, I do. I think that while I contribute to the national purse, I ought to benefit from the national purse and um, there's no exemption for anyone as regards paying taxes towards the education of the children of the country and everybody should receive from that uh, that that purse similarly, whether they're homeschooling or whether they join together as our parents to found a school or whether they uh, send their children to an existing school or whether they wait for the state to set up a school in their area and then go along to that. No matter what, I think that people, you know, they deserve education, the, the government is tax it's taxing each of us towards the education of those children and um, whatever their circumstances are, they should equally benefit from it. And I also think that as regards, you know, you know, this particular case, uh, speak about 104 million. Mm. I mean, that's the state's contribution towards the education of those children. Um, and I mean, if, if, they, if they weren't going to those schools, I think it is a case that they be spending about 200 million or so plus, you know, because... The, the state is not paying its way towards the, the education of children going to these schools. And I think the whole idea of, you know, having, uh, as you call them, private schools, I mean, that is part of, you know, freedom of association, that people can come together and form a, a school for their purposes, just like anything else in society, and they shouldn't be penal, financially penalised for doing that. OK, so, so, know, so irrespective of who's paying the teachers' salaries, uh, the children going to the schools, whether it's a public school or a private school, are entitled to, uh, yes, to entitled to their education. And it to say if people want to educate their children at home, they should receive the, towards that as well, the same as any other child. Every child should be treated equally as regards the amount of money available for them for the purpose of education. And I think the whole idea ought to be to enable children to excel, you know, at their whatever talent they have and not try to just, you know, school them into a particular one-size-fits-all a bracket and okay. uh, everybody must fit in with that, you know. Gra- Graham is with us as well, Garoth. Um Graham, do you agree with Garoth on this? Uh, no, I completely disagree. Um, I don't believe the state should contribute in any way towards private schooling because it's advantaging or entrenching generational wealth and educational advantage. There should be no educational advantage. Every, now, people's families make certain amount of money so and fair play to them. No issue with that, obviously. But everyone should have access to the exact same education. Because as much as possible, that gives equality of opportunity. That whether, the, like, whether the teachers were in public school or private school, their salaries are going to have to be paid anyway. They are, and they should be, they should be paid out of the public purse. And if they're in a public school, and if you're in a private school, then make the school private. That school isn't private. Our current, the current schools aren't private. They are being funded, not entirely, but they are being funded by the state. The state should not contribute money towards something that further entrenches educational advantage and inequality in our society. Well, in this case, we're talking about just the salaries now. Yes, but that 
that is the cost of the school, isn't it? I mean, if you don't have the staff inside there, the school the school can't run. So that is part of the cost of that school. And those teachers are teaching inside the smaller classes with better resources than, pu- than public schools. Not always necessarily, though. In a private school, yes, they are. They are. Or unless you're talking inside a uh, desk school where obviously the t- pupil-teacher ratio is different for a de- uh, is um, better, for, but for a very different reason. Brian Mooney is with us as well, um, Graham. Brian is the, a guidance counsellor and an Irish Times education columnist. Brian, does Graham have a point there? Um, he may have a point in theory, but if you look at the reality, if two teachers or two graduates come out of college and one applies for a job in a school advertising for a post, and say, for instance, just for this example, say it's Gondaga, and another teacher applies for a school in Muckras, two schools within a mile of each other exact same socioeconomic profile, exact same parental expectations. One is fee-paying and the other is not fee-paying. The advantage from education probably comes as much from the parental expectation, the social class background, the the expectation within the class group, which in those two schools would be utterly identical. So let's say, for instance, the state stops paying and no longer funds the teacher going to the private school. That therefore means that that school is going to have to offer them a package which compensates for the fact they will no longer have a state-funded salary, they will no longer have a state-funded pension. So effectively, the amount of money that you would have to pay for that person to buy the pension at the same level they'd had for a public service pension, even if they were prepared to do that, which I don't think very many graduates would be prepared to do because they would want the benefits that comes with having a full public service pension, the cost of doing that would be so astronomical that the fees for fee-paying schools in Ireland would go from the usual, which is around around six or seven thousand, to probably thirty, forty thousand. So you'd be replicating what you have in the UK, which is an elite, mm. a total elite, for the kids going around wearing gowns. And effectively, that would mean that the vast majority of private schools would close. You would end up with a handful of elite schools. All of those schools would then transfer to the public system. You would then be paying capitation on all of the funding that state schools get, which the private schools don't currently get. That would therefore reduce the amount of money that would be available to desk schools and social disadvantage. So the end result of doing it would be to actually take money away from social disadvantage and give further advantage to those who are already advantaged. Because you could actually say that the children who are going to non-fee-paying schools in, in high socioeconomic areas have the best of both worlds. They have all the resources of the state, but they have parental expectations, which are high. They have their own uh, colleagues and peer group, which is high. But effectively, they also get all the superannuation, all the building grants, all of the other supports that come with state-funded schools. The current model is probably the one that is cheapest on the state, while at the same time giving the freedom to those schools who, they didn't become fee-paying schools. They were the schools who, in 1966, Mm. chose not to join the state scheme, which was then launched, because the actual state subvention at the time was £25 per student per year, and their fees at that time were maybe 50 or 75 pounds and they decided look we'll stay out and they have stayed out permanently but now to turn around and say that the teachers salaries and those wouldn't be paid by the state would collapse that system and throw the cost back on the okay. state. So, so un- unfair then Graham. it could be unfair when you look at the, the, the economic argument in favour of retaining the current system. I wasn't making an economic argument. I have no problem with collapsing the current system. I have no problem with far less if not no private schools whatsoever. I don't have an issue with that. Would it uh, incur greater costs on the state? Yes. Um, do, 
And do I think that's worth paying? Yes. We ha- in the, if we go in the OCD, we have the lowest investment in our education. So the automatic uh, assumption that if we change this system, that we would have less school, uh, schools or less money for deaf schools, for example, where I'm literally walking around one right now, isn't necessarily true. The investment in education would have to be increased, but there will be a knock-on benefit of that. And also the argument that two schools were close to, uh, to each other um, but one private and one public have the exact same socioeconomic profile of students simply isn't true because a public school, not everyone, but obviously there is a limit of funds for those who would not be able to afford to send their children, which is the majority of people. And are you in secondary? Are you, sorry, when you say you're, say you're, you're a teacher, Graham, are you? In, I am, yes. You're, okay, in secondary or primary? Secondary. Secondary school, okay. Brian, can I just get you to explain, because I'm, I'm trying to, and I was hoping to maybe chat to some um, teachers today that are in, you're not in a fee-paying school, Graham. No, I'm in a desk school. In desk school, okay. I'm interested in chatting to teachers um, today about this as well, actually, that WhatsApp number is 87 106 Is there any difference for teachers, Brian, to work in a private or a fee-paying school for them personally? Like, I, I would have no, thought no, there was no I'm, salary differential. I'm, I'm, there no, there's no difference whatsoever. They get the exact same salary. The only thing is that the school would have a lower ratio in terms of the, the actual number of teachers paid by the state. So that has been reduced gradually over the last number of years. So the school, if they want the same ratio as the students in a public school, they will have to pay schools, some teachers privately, who won't be on a state salary, because ultimately the actual ratio of teacher to student is now higher, meaning less teachers, in fee-paying schools. So the school itself and the parents, obviously, within the school are going to have to subvent it. But as Graham has said, what he is recommending is an actual reduction unless the state puts more money into education on the resources that are currently going to disadvantage. Because what's actually happening now is the parents who are funding fee-paying schools are paying that money that would otherwise come from the state subvention, from the capitation grant, which every child in a state-funded school gets, where the children don't get it, but it goes to the schools Mm. to pay for all the running costs of the schools. So what Graham is saying is, you know, I'm prepared to see a cut in the money going unless the state actually comes in and provides extra money and the Department of Public Expenditure authorises an increase in the budget of the Department of Education. But I think if such an increase in budget were to come, it should be focused on the most disadvantaged and not going to fund the advantaged who are now going to get, if Graham's suggestion comes through, actually more resources. It already happened down, it was it in Kenning College a couple of years ago, in which they moved into the state sector they then got all the extra funding, extra resources. The same students are going through it that always went to it, but now the state is giving more money to the school. And, you know, is that actually a positive outcome? Because if it's going to the private sector, it's not going to where Graham is working, and it's not supporting the most disadvantaged students in the country. Graham, It wouldn't go towards edu- uh, promoting educational advantage. If you were putting that extra money into education, you are, redu- in the way manner I suggested, you're reducing educational advantage because the, and I, I could be wrong on the number, I think it's around 50, 51 private schools currently, which are in part funded by the uh, state. And they are an example of educational advantage. They entrench that in our society. That is a society, as a society, that is bad for us. Everyone should have the equality of opportunity, not advantage. And this, what I propose would reduce the advantage that exists based on wealth. Is there, is there a difference, the difference, Brian, just clarify this, between a private and a fee-paying school? I understood there was no, a difference between the two. No, they, they, what we're referring to are schools that are not in the department's 
um, scheme that was introduced in 1968 called free education. The schools who are not part of that and are therefore not in receipt of the capitation grant, which the state first started paying to second level schools mm. in O'Malley in 1967. That's what we're referring to here. But the, my experience, and I mean, I worked in a non-fee paying school in a place called Oakland's College, which has a very, very high participation rate onto third level because the expectation of the parents of sending their children to that school are very, very high. They're no different to the students down the road who are going to fee-paying schools in the same area. They're all coming from the same estates. They're coming from the same geographic areas. The fact that it's fee-paying or non-fee-paying is almost irrelevant. It's, it's a cultural thing. It's a historical thing of the schools who stayed out in 1966 because they chose to do so. But, I mean, I don't see any real difference. If you walk along, you know, that mile from Donnybrook, again, out to Slavorgan, and you look at all the schools in, in a, within a mile or two of that, the vast majority of the students are all going on to third level because the expectations of those parents are of such. I think it has very little to do with funding and everything to do with social class and expectations. Eric Nelligan is is with us as well. Uh, stay with us if you don't mind, because I, I want to get a couple of voices in on this. Eric is a, is also a teacher in a public school. Is is that right, Eric? Yeah, I, I yeah. teach in Saint, in Saint Munchens College in Limerick. That's right. So, um, where are you in this debate? Like, do, because of the background of my school, we're we're a big rugby school. Even though we are we are in the free education system, we will get to attend and play matches against uh, most of the private schools that, you, that are in South County Dublin and maybe in Cork. And there is, there's a world of a difference in terms of facilities and stuff available. So, like, just, like, I'm not sure if anyone here has attended some of those schools or, or been into them, but they have excellent facilities. So, like everything in life, for me, it's not black or white. There's a whole shade of grey, and I would fall into that. So, I believe that all children should get the same chance of education. So that means for that to happen, the state should be paying this for the teacher's salaries. I have no problem with all teachers being paid by the state. Um, but what where I would disagree with is on the extra funds that are allocated, the extra funds that are allocated to private schools to build facilities and extensions and things like that. So for instance, one that sticks out in my mind was a number of years ago, Shane Ross allocated a large, very large sum of money towards uh, 4G hockey pitches for for a couple of South Dublin private schools out of public funds. And for me, that was, that was fundamentally wrong. Um, these are schools that would charge maybe fifteen to 20,000 in fees. They bring in a quite substantial number. So that's where I would fall under. I, I kind of compare it to like everybody, everyone over a certain age gets a medical car, gets, uh, all young children get their under six you know, doctor visits. Every child gets child benefits. So I would look at it that way, that every child should have access to a state-paid teacher but if you want to provide, if a private schools want to pay for extra, well, then they pay out their own, their own, their own funds or their own cap, their own the, money the, raised. This texter here has gotten in touch to say if they stop paying the private school teachers, many of the schools will go public and the teachers will still have to be paid. I actually think, think this makes no sense at all, according to this texter. Another listener in WhatsApp, uh, 87 106 is the number. Nonsense on stopping school funding to private schools. It's all about choice and respecting the taxpayers of the country. Like, that comes back to Garode's point at the minute. Grove, you're still there. Yeah, but I think there's also something that, as you said, um, we're talking about advantage, and I think it comes down to the point system, you know, in the universities and going there. And uh, we're judging schools by who gets into university, how many people get into university, whereas, you know, that may not be the best thing for different people. I think there are a lot of people who would benefit from apprenticeships rather than being forced to go into universities. So we, should, we should open our eyes as regards um, 
a broadener, you know, a way of looking at what's, how do we judge a school, you know, as an advantage. I mean, for some people, it's definitely an academic route is great for them, but for other people, you know, working with their hands or, you know, working with something that's practical is a better route and uh, that doesn't maybe get caught up in, in, in an easy, you know, fixed system. The judges compare schools, one school with another, and just focuses on how many gets into university. Anna's texting to say only fee-paying secondary schools get funding from the state. The primary fee-paying sector those schools get absolutely no state funding, Susanna. Another listener has got in touch to say, in the area that I'm living in, the majority of the options for my son to go to school are actually all fee-paying schools. There's two state schools in the locality, but you cannot get into them. It's like Hunger Games trying to get into the schools. It's so difficult. John Paul is with us on the line as well. Um, John Paul, do you think that the state should fund the salaries of teachers in private schools? Uh, Yeah, of course. Like We pay taxes. Uh, so, like the tax, you know, every child is entitled to an education. Just some parents choose or have to put their children through private education. I'm an atheist. There's not a huge range of schools that cater to children that aren't baptized unless you go into the private school market. And you know, we moved back to Dublin two years ago, and in South Dublin, we weren't very well served for for public schools, and those that were there had waiting lists of up to thirty five, forty children. So. You know, you you have to choose the option that's best for the child, and I think some parents, you know, it, it was people on talking about protecting intergenerational rent. Like I, I come from Bally Farm in West Dublin. I just, you know, I I, I I prioritize the education of my kids, so I drive an older car and I don't go on holidays. And I hope that, you know, by doing that, then that you give that child the benefit that they can become the best version of themselves. You know, I went through the state education system, and it took me a long time to figure out what I was supposed to do with life. So you hope that by providing that extra money for the resources that a school has, that the, the child has a more rounded education. And, you know, we'd love for the government to be, uh, you know, providing all children with the same standard of education. But unfortunately, that's not how it operates in this country. So was was your um, your your reasoning for, for sending your kids to a, a, a private fee-paying school, John Paul, um did you sorry, did you say it was to do with the fact that you couldn't get into schools, public schools yeah, in the so, local so the, area? So the public school in the local area had a waiting list of 35 children and then my child's not baptised. So if your child's not baptised in Ireland, you face a, uh, an, an onslaught. Yeah, okay, yeah. So the options are... Yeah, so the options are limited. So, mm. you know, like... So your point is similar to that text I read a few moments ago. Why shouldn't my taxes contribute to, you know, to teachers... Uh, in, in, in the school that my son attends are as good as any of the teachers in any of the schools in Ireland because they all come out of great teacher training colleges. But, you know, some some parents are in a position that they can uh, make sacrifices or they can provide uh, extra uh, money towards education. And it ends up that my son goes to a very lovely school with children from all nationalities and all different kinds of backgrounds. And, you know, it kind of, I think that's what we need to be in, in introducing into our education system, that we have a more open and, and, and children are mixing and if you know some parents have to be ahead of the game on that and contribute financially well then that's the way it is for but you know for you know it's a great it's one of those divide and conquer things isn't it you know go after the rich you know eat the rich let's 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 let's, let's pick on something that some people can um uh, you know, it's, it's open to everybody. It's just, it's just whether or not you make the decision. To pay okay. The money so, so Graham, to jump Paul's point there, and that last text that I read out from another listener, for some people, it's actually just about choice and availability in the area they're living in. 
Uh, well, John Paul just said it there that um, eat the rich as if the rich are the victims here. I'm sorry, no, but that's deeply disingenuous and not true in the least. Um, you talk about some people should be able to buy access to um, better education. No, they shouldn't. Everyone should have the same standard of education. And inside our public schools, and he's talking about diversity inside um, fee-paying schools. Come stand in the school I'm standing in now. I you'd be hard pressed to find a more diverse place in the country. Um, but they're just deeply disingenuous arguments. No, if you are wealthy, no, if you're wealthy, well done to you, fair play, all I, no issue with that whatsoever. But you should not be able to buy a better education. And if it comes to it, then you should have to pay for every bit of it. If you want to buy smaller classes, buy better resources for your child, then you should have to fund every bit of it, including teachers' salaries. John Paul. End of. You should have to fund it all in the salaries. Well, well, I don't agree with that because I pay my taxes like everybody else. But if I may, I, do I? Suffer from, uh, I did suffer from inverted snobbery. You know, my, the, sco- the, the school my son goes to is a long way from where I was growing up. And when my wife first suggested sending our, our kid to a private school, I nearly choked. But I went along and I had a look and, I, and I'd done the math. And like, there's crest childcare providers in South Dublin that are charging higher fees than the fees that I pay to my school. So, you know, it's up to each individual to make the decision that's right for themselves. But who is anybody else to come on and, like, you know, deny children an education just because of, you know, you know the, the parents' ability to pay that little bit extra? Like, that, that you know, that, like, you have to look at what's at, what, what's at the centre of this, and the centre of that is children. And what we want is we want an education. What we should be doing is looking at these private schools and looking how we can bring the state schools up to those levels. Because there's money there. Like, we're, you know, we're one of the best performing economies in, in, in Europe, and it's not the world. And what I'm thinking is that we need to stop this divide and conquer, you know, where some pe- people get on either side of this argument and some are for and some are against. Mm. Instead of coming in the middle and thinking, well, how do we get a, how do we get a swimming pool into every school yeah, in Ireland? Fairly, how do we get a 4G pitch? You know, it's, they're not, it's not, it shouldn't just be up to certain schools in, 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 in privileged areas. The, the, text you know? line, the text line is very divided, actually, about this today. And, and I, I sort of reckon from reading the messages here that a lot of people don't really know where this is in this debate. Mick in Dublin says there's a left-wing viewpoint that private schools shouldn't exist but that's removing the freedom of choice. It's not a popular opinion but that's how I feel. Uh, Desmond in Dublin says there's a huge difference between the private schools and fee-paying schools. Private schools such as those in England are entirely independent of the state. Ireland's fee-paying schools are under state control with regards to teachers and curriculum. Um, We only have one or two private schools in this country according to Desmond. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Avant Money. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.